I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. It's an annual tradition here at Bullseye. Every year we break format and bring you some of the year's best stand-up comedy. The whole team here at Maximum Fun comb through dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of albums to bring you the very best. In a year that was extraordinarily difficult for stand-up comedy, that meant some comedians got creative. We have albums recorded before the pandemic. We have albums recorded in front of only a handful of people. We even have one album that was recorded at a drive-in. Before we get into it, a heads up, this is, of course, stand-up comedy. We have bleeped the bad words. We have edited out obscenities, but some of the content you're about to hear is going to touch on some more mature stuff. Anyway, with all that out of the way, here's our first comic of our 2021 Best Stand-Up of the Year special. Jasmine Ellis. Jasmine is an entertainment journalist and podcast host from Dallas when she's not doing stand-up. She's currently based in Los Angeles, and she tours at colleges and clubs across the country. She recently released a new record called Nobody's Queen, a follow-up to 2019's Trash Baby. Let's listen to a bit. My husband is the best human being in the world. I love him so much. He is perfect and awesome, and I wouldn't change a single thing about him. I would change one thing about him. (laughs) One thing. He's so smart, but he's not good at picking up hints. So, like, before he proposed, I was like, it's time. I'm ready. Let's make this happen. So I had it in my mind that I was going to get engaged by Christmas. I was like, this is how we're going to do it. So what he would do is, like, Every now and then he'd ask me like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And what I decided to do was whenever he asked me that question, I was just going to respond with an item that's only on a wedding registry. Like, I thought that made sense. So he'd be like, hey, babe, what do you want for Christmas? And I'd be like, I don't know, a hundred knives? And just see (laughs) what he said. I don't know, a high thread count sheet? You know, just stuff like that. And then just go, but I guess I'll have to wait till I'm engaged, you know? (laughs) The big thing that I was really trying to push was a KitchenAid mixer. I was like, that's what I want. Uh, If y'all don't know what a KitchenAid mixer is, it's this very expensive device. It has a lot of really cool functions. Like, its best one is a little device on the side that says, I'm married, you're not. It's great. (laughs) It makes me feel very smug. I love it. Like, only smug married women have this device. That's the point of it. So Christmas rolled around. And he actually got me a KitchenAid mixer. <laughs> oh, I was upset. Oh, I was, I was, I, I was so upset. I went through like a grieving process, like when someone dies. Like first was denial. I was like, oh no, this is just an amazing way to wrap up. I mean, why would you wrap an engagement ring like this? He's great. This is a great idea. I was like shaking it, looking for the ring. And then the sadness hit. Then the anger. I was like, I really have to cook now. Like, I was so upset. (laughs) I was livid. I was so upset. But he did eventually propose, and it was great, and we got married, and it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I genuinely miss being a bride. I do. I liked being a bride. I I liked that, like, for the first time in my life, it felt like everyone around me was my employee. Like everyone belonged to me. And then all of a sudden, one day, I only had one employee who's kind of dumb, but owns half the company. What was I thinking? Like, I'm not, like, just get engaged, don't get married. That's the plan. 
Ugh, I just, I don't know. It was great. I love that. I love being a bridezilla because it gave me that chance to just have this sense of urgency all the time. You know, when you're a bride, you can just go, this is for my wedding. And people just drop everything. They do it. You know, there's never going to be another time I can do that. I can't run into bakeries like, it's Black History Month. Help me. They won't do it. <laughs> They're not doing it. It's just not going to come up. I mean, I love, I love being married because I love my guy. He's great. It is funny, though, because we won't be married like less than a year, but we're already getting asked this question. So how's married life? What do you think of married life? And I'm like, it's the same. Like, we haven't had kids yet. We're still having fun. I don't understand the question. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, to me, I'm like, he's a great husband. I'm a great husband. This is going great. <laughs> I mean it. I mean that. Did you know? Two cisgendered, heterosexual people can both be husbands. You can. You just decide not to be a wife. It's so great. <laughs> I'm just like, I could clean that, but no. And I just, <laughs> I could cook that, but no. And some days it feels like I'm working against my own interests. I've taken baths in very dirty tubs, but this is for equality. And... <laughs> You know, we just keep it moving. And people think we're going to change. Like, maybe if we have kids, we'll change. But I'm like, you are really underestimating my ability to hop over a dirty baby. You are just <laughs> underestimating it. Because I sure will kick it to him. Like, your turn. Like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm out this week. Jasmine Ellis from her album, Nobody's Queen. You can follow her on Twitter at Jasmine C. Ellis. Next up on our Best Comedy of the Year special, Lori Kilmartin. Lori writes jokes for a living. Lots of jokes. She's an Emmy nominee for her decades spent writing monologues for Conan O'Brien. When Lori came on our show as a guest a few years ago, she told us that when her dad died, writing jokes was how she dealt with it. Tweets turned into a stage show. The stage show turned into a special. That special was called 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. In other words, Lori Kilmartin is not afraid to get intimate with her audience. And that intimacy goes both ways. Here's a bit from her latest album, Corset. Are there uh, any other single parents here tonight? Clap if there are. Wow. That might be the loneliest sound I've ever heard in my life. The first two claps were so enthusiastic. And you could see the person waiting for anyone else to join in or any other noise to happen. And then the hands got softer and softer until they just fell apart. What a journey that was. I'll get to you in a second. But uh, I'd like to congratulate the rest of the crowd for... Apparently, your uh, thriving marriages and your healthy relationships. Wow, it must be nice to be you. Uh, don't get cocky. Statistically, some of you will be single parents. Sorry. Sorry to be a downer. I got bad news for you. Love dies and children live. So who, who's my single parent back there? Me. That's you. Hi, hi you. Hi. What's, uh, what's your name? Jamie. Jamie. And uh, how many kids do you have? One. You have one. How old? Six. Six. 
Uh, I'm glad you're out. Yes. Right? Do you uh, do you date very much? Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. Um, are you are you on a date tonight? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The crowd is very supportive of you. They want this to go right for you. I like how bold you are in saying that you date a lot in front of a date. That's why you're my queen. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I get out. Uh huh. I got a six year old. I gotta do what I gotta do. Yeah. Pardon? Oh, she's a nurse. Okay. Are you guys nurses as well? Because she spoke Latin and you guys both responded immediately. That's amazing. Uh, so what kind of a nurse are you? I don't know yet. Uh, are you supposed to know by now? Or? I, I don't know how nursing goes. Uh, are you just going to show up at a hospital one day? and? Pardon? Oh, I said, I'm going to work in a jail. Wow. Oh. What the f***? <laughs> Jamie, your life gets more hardcore with every reveal. <laughs> Whenever I do have a boyfriend, I never introduce my son to him as, as a boyfriend. I always say, oh, honey, this is your uncle. <laughs> and then when I break up with a guy, I tell my son, oh, honey, your uncle died. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough, because once I had a really good month on OkCupid, which means, of course, my son had the worst month of his entire life. Yeah, he lost 11 uncles. And two aunts. And a grandpa. But that guy actually died. Lori Kilmartin. One of our favorites here at Bullseye. Her record, Corset, was recorded live at the Punchline in San Francisco, one of my favorite clubs. Lori also co-hosts the podcast, The Jackie and Lori Show, here on Maximum Fun. You can find Lori Kilmartin on Twitter, at AnyLori16, and she is very, very, very good at that website and application. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Next up on Bullseye's Best of 2021 stand-up special, Danny Jawless. If you're a fan of the sitcom Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you may or may not remember him as George in that recurring role. He's a soft-spoken and shy worker at a law firm. None of his co-workers can ever remember his name. It's one of the funniest running bits on that great show. Jawless has had acting roles in Rami and Corporate as well. And when he's not acting, He's a stand-up comic. Let's listen to a bit of Danny Jollis's debut stand-up comedy album. It's called Six Parts. Technology moves real fast. And it's like, what if I'm just getting older? And I just, you ever have that moment where you're like, what if I just don't get it anymore? I have that, like, I don't know. I just, I went home, I just saw my grandpa. I went home for a Passover, uh, which is a Jewish holiday. And... Uh, <laughs> And I saw my grandpa, and he was describing what life was like when he was, like, a kid. 
you don't realize how fast technology moves until your grandpa describes what life was like when he was a kid. I don't know if anybody know my, knows my grandpa in here, but he will take you there, man. He was just telling us, he was just like, when we were kids, he used to hit each other in the face with sticks. Like, stick face. You kids don't play stick face no more? What are you talking about? He's like, ah, it was the age of Sinatra. We all had syphilis. And you're like walking out of the room. <laughs> and my cousins, the sad part was, like, he goes walking out. My cousins are all just like laughing at him. They're like, hey, grandpa. But I just like, I know, it's just sitting there. And I was like, that's a smart man. That's just how fast technology moves. Like someday, if you want to have a nightmare right now, someday we're going to have to describe what life is like right now to our grandkids. How are we going to explain any of this to them? <laughs> How are we going to explain Uber? How are we going to explain Uber to our grandkids? We're going to have self-driving cars in what? 10 years, give or take, right? We're about 50 years now down the road, and I just have a group of grandkids looking up at me just like, wait, Grandpa, what would happen when you were drunk? <laughs> and then I would have to be like, well, I would pull out my phone, and I would push a button, and then a man in between jobs would just show up. <laughs> and I would just hop in that stranger's car. <laughs> Was there any training for this man? No training, no training at all. All we knew was they had a Honda Sonata and failed dreams. Outside of that, think about it. Grandpa, that's insane. That has to be the most dangerous thing that was on the roads. Well, there were buses. What's a bus? All right. All right, All right kids, you ready? You're gonna take the car, you're gonna blow it up real big, all right? Now, you know all the safety things we have, like seatbelts and airbags? Throw them out the window. Some people, some people wouldn't even have seats. They would be just standing, clutching a pole while this thing was going 60. We would hollow this thing out and shove as many people with DUIs in there as we could. Grandpa, that's insane. That has to be the most dangerous thing that was on the road. Well, there were motorcycles. What's a motorcycle? <laughs> Bus, back to the car. You're gonna cut a slice off the car. You're gonna put a man on top. He is a tattoo. Now, <laughs> now, He's swerving in and out of the traffic. If you touch him, he's dead immediately. No chance of survival. Now, wait, wait. We made him wear helmets so we could identify them after the crash. Grandpa. That's insane. That has to be the most dangerous thing. Well, there were bicycles. What the hell is a bicycle? Language. Okay. Bus, 
car, motorcycle. You're going to cut a slice off the motorcycle. You're going to put a man on top. He is a tattoo, but it's ironic. (laughs) Now, he's going a tenth the speed of everything else, obeys none of the other rules of the road. He can go any direction at any moment. There are no rules for this man. And if you get anywhere near him, he's going to look at you like you're the lunatic. And he isn't a psychopath for thinking this is okay. And Grandpa, why? It was the age of Cardi B and we all had herpes. (laughs) Technology moves fast. (laughs) Danny Jollis from his album Six Parts. A recording of Six Parts is available for free on YouTube. In it, Danny performs stand-up comedy in six different places and on six different sets. Some of the comedy venues include a barbershop, a gym, and a surfboard store. Next up is Chris Fairbanks. He's been a comedian for more than two decades. Years ago, he was a regular on the cult Comedy Central show Reality Bites Back, hosted by the great Michael Ian Black. His stand-up has appeared on Conan, Last Comic Standing, and Jimmy Kimmel Live. And he is a fan-favorite guest, perhaps the fan-favorite guest, on my comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go. Let's listen to a segment of Chris Fairbanks' The Rescue Cactus Album. I don't want to kill anything. I don't want to, I, I'm squeamish fishing even. And I've tried, I went fishing, fancy style, on a boat, a chartered boat, with professional fishing men and... And I bought the license, they gave me the pole, I'm like, let's do this. And then we got out there and they opened the trough of bait, but the, the trough was an aquarium of fish floating around, like mm. sardines and squid living in what they thought was harmony. And, uh, <laughs> and then big giant hand picks them up and you p- put a hook in an already alive fish. Like, I'm just, it's a hand-to-hand murder situation. I wasn't ready for that, but... And at first, I was like, I'm sorry. I said sorry to the first five fish. And then after a while, I was like, right in the eye, f-. <laughs> I got used to it, you know? Blood on my hands. And then I cast, this is real. I cast, and I'm not kidding, this happened. I cast, the fish was flopping on a hook, and this bird out of nowhere, it's near Catalina Island. You know the island. This bird flew by, like a beautiful, like an albatross or just a seagull that really took care of himself. <laughs> Swept down in midair, mid cast, caught my fish. I saw it cartoonishly go down his throat, gulp, and then I'm just flying a bird like a kite. <laughs> Panicking, reeling him in, like, I'm so sorry, trying to get him to me. He wanted to go the other way. I uh, really didn't, and there's a hook. And I was immediately crying, because uh, my fishing just got elevated to hunting. You know, I didn't sign up. Everyone on the boat like thought I caught something, and they're like, Bye-bye. "Bird kite." And then the head fishing man—I think that was his name—he came along. He snipped the line, and then the bird flew away with great stride. And I was like, "Well, he'll be for that. Bird's fine, right?" And he's like, "Oh no, that's a dead bird. <laughs> dead bird flying." I don't understand having a bird as a pet. Actually, that might be kind of fun to have a parrot. You can teach him to talk. Teach him to say, uh, 
Help, I used to be a man and a curse was put on me. I miss my wife. Everyone would be like, hey, cool bird, man. Chris Fairbanks. The Rescue Cactus album is out now. If you'd like to hear more from Chris, he's also the co-host of Do You Need a Ride? alongside comedian Karen Kilgariff. Two of the funniest folks around. They've had some pretty stellar guests recently, including Aparna Nancharla, Margaret Cho, and Yardley Smith. Even more from Bullseye's Best of 2021 stand-up comedy special still to come. Stay with us. Nish Kumar, Jackie Cation, and many more. Again, it's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to BetterHelp.com slash Bullseye. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, we're doing something a little different. We're listening to some of the best stand-up comedy released on record in 2021, handpicked by the staff at Maximum Fun. And I guess when I say released on record, it's a pretty broad definition, including mp3s and lossless flax or whatever next up nish kumar nish is a stand-up comic and a television host in the uk he's worked on shows like the bbc's late night mash and the comedy central series joel and nish versus the world earlier this year he released a two-part comedy album called it's in your nature to destroy yourselves it includes material from shows he did in 2016 and 2019 here's nish kumar I come from a Hindu family. I am a Hindu. I'm a Hindu. And I come from a really mixed religious background. My father is an Orthodox Hindu. My mother, and this will not surprise you, has her own take. This is a direct quote. I pray to all of them. That way I'm covered. That's not how it works, Mum. I don't know how it works, but that's definitely not how it works. And my grandfather was raised a Hindu before converting to Christianity in his 50s. And when he converted to Christianity, he changed his name from Methil Narayan Kuti to Mike. Something which we found out when someone phoned the house asking for Mike. Someone phoned the house and said, is Mike there? My aunt said, there's no one called Mike here. And he went, oh, that's me. I then took the call. <laughs> and then afterwards he said, oh, did I not tell you? No, you didn't tell us that you changed your name to Mike. Listen, last July, something happened. Last July, I was coming back from Montreal where I'd been at the Just For Laughs Comedy Festival and I'd had a lovely time. Now, on the last day of the festival, there were four comedians travelling from Montreal to London. Now, those four comedians were being taken to the airport in two separate cars, two by two, and this is the crucial piece of information, those two cars were going to arrive at different times. Now, the four comedians involved were Jimmy Carr, Ellie Taylor, Paul Chowdhury and me. Now, you're looking at that four and you're thinking, for God's sake, split that logically. Put me with Ellie or Jimmy, the white lady or the alien. Either one is fine. (laughs) Worst thing that happens, I go with Jimmy Carr and get to see Area 51. That's a fun day out for Lil Nishi. But they didn't put me with Ellie or Jimmy. They put me with Chowders. They double browned. (laughs) 
If you're thinking, how bad can it have been? It can't have been that bad. We got searched in the queue to get searched. That's how bad it was. We were too suspicious for the search queue. So they took us out of it, searched our bags, put us back in the queue, searched our bags again, put our bags in the x-ray. The guy takes the bag out of the x-ray and then he says to me, I need to see inside this. And I'm there thinking, I thought that's what the x-ray did. Because when I was 10 years old and I fell over and hit my head, I don't remember the doctor bursting in and going, oh, uh, we're going to have to smash your head open anyway. We didn't get a look at the x-ray, that's on us. Now, when the guy said, I need to have a look inside your bag, I said, what have you seen on the x-ray? Because that's the theory, isn't it? That he's seen something on the x-ray that he needs to investigate closer. But here's the thing, it was a trick question. Because I knew he couldn't have seen anything on the x-ray. Because I know what's in my bag. Because I travel constantly for work and I look like this. So I know all the rules. At this point, me and guys who look like me are essentially a second layer of security staff for airports. And we end up having to help stupid white idiots who stand there going, what do you mean I can't bring in a 500 litre drum of crude oil? I've put it in a clear plastic bag. This is an outrage. I want to speak to a manager. Every brown man you know knows all the rules. All of the rules. And every brown man you know has a survival strategy for dealing with airports. Look at this man, sat in the front row, nodding at me like he's never related to anything more in his entire life. <laughs> There's four Sikh brothers behind him and they all looking at each other being like, yeah. <laughs> now, when I said to this guy, what have you seen? He said, this is a random search. We are on an elevated terror threat. Now, before I tell you what I said, <laughs> let's get two things straight. Firstly, ultimately, I know it was not this guy's fault, right? He was just a guy that worked at Montreal Airport. He's a delivery point of structural racism. He's not the instigator of it, right? Secondly, I know no one comes off well from this story because I don't know why I said what I said. Ultimately, maybe it's because I was tired and hung over. Maybe it was because it's been 16 years of this and I've had enough. Maybe it's because in the last couple of years, I have seen white violence go culturally unpunished. But what I do know is that what I said did not help. How could it have? Because when that man said, this is a random search, we are on an elevated terror threat, I said, do you honestly think ISIS is paying for business cards? Nish Kumar, from his record, It's In Your Nature to Destroy Yourselves. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Nish Kumar. That's Mr. spelled M-R. Next up, Claire Belford, and a bit from her debut comedy album, The Entire Cabbage. Claire is a stand-up, originally from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. These days, she's based in Toronto. In her sets, she often talks about not living up to her grandmother's expectations, and about her time working as a waitress. Claire's a millennial, and like a lot of us millennials, she's still kind of figuring things out. Here's Claire Belford. I'm an adult now. I'm 30. I'm, you know, officially an adult. Uh, we're, late, we're later. My generation, we got here a little later. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 30, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be a better grown-up. I've been, like, just eating out less, trying to cook for myself more. 
um, which means buying more groceries. Buying groceries is easy. I do find it difficult to use them before they go bad. Uh, so I am pretty excited to tell you that I just finished an entire cabbage for the first time. Thank you. Yes, that is the appropriate response. It's <laughs> quite a feat. Um, if you buy a cabbage and you don't want to throw any away, like you've got to be thinking about that like all the time. <laughs> like the moment you wake up in the morning, like just roll out of bed like, uh, okay, focus, think. How can I incorporate cabbage into toast? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be that daunting, you know? You look at it, it's like, you're like, oh, it's leafy, okay, whatever, I've seen lettuce. But then you cut into it, and it's like, <laughs> like there's just so much in there. And like, okay, so I'm like cutting it up one night, you know, making my fifth coleslaw in like two days. <laughs> and I'm not a very fast cook, you know? And uh, like I keep messing up and cutting too big of chunks, so I gotta like go back and cut individual leaves of cabbage into smaller strips. It's taking me forever. Finally, after like 30 minutes, I get a bowl of it together. And I go to turn to grab the dressing. And as I turn, like I accidentally knock the bowl of cabbage onto the floor. <laughs> And I'm just like watching it all. It's happening like in slow motion in front of me. I'm just like watching it all just like slowly drift. Like just imagine the most disappointing pinata. <laughs> like it's just all cabbage. <laughs> and my honest first reaction was, oh, thank God. anything to help get through some of this cabbage. <laughs> like, I was so committed to finishing this thing, and by the time I realized what, like, the commitment I made, I felt like I was, like, a teen mom. I'm like, this is not fair. Like, <laughs> this was supposed to be one night of fun <laughs> with, like, a, a cute fish taco recipe I saw online. <laughs> I thought it seemed nice, and now I'm on the hook with this thing, you know? <laughs> round-the-clock responsibility. I'm not ready for this. You know, it's not like I'm saying, like, maybe one day I won't want to have a cabbage, but not now. Like, if I had a cabbage at home, couldn't be out here doing this, you know? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not suggesting that being a single mother is anything like being a single woman with a cabbage. Um... But I can say that men seem just as put off. <laughs> Claire Belford from her debut album, The Entire Cabbage. You can check out what she's up to on Twitter, at Claire Belford. That's Claire spelled C-L-A-R-E. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Paula Poundstone has been performing stand-up comedy for decades, she got her big break in the mid-1980s when she was on a bunch of HBO comedy specials. Since then, she's worked in television and film. She's a regular panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and she has her own podcast. Paula just released a new album called Paula Poundstone Goes to College, One Night Only. Here's Paula Poundstone. Are there Harvard students here, by any chance? Oh, for sakes. There's one right there. You don't know who that guy is? No, it's not, probably not required. <laughs> you can probably get a jury without having any idea who that guy is. Um, what are you studying? Women's studies. 
women's studies. So, are you getting credit right now? I am, by all accounts, a woman, and, uh, you know, in a way, just sitting, listening, would be studying. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Did you have classes today? One. One? Well, you, you know, when you're studying women, you have to pace yourself. A lot of... Uh, be honest with you, I hate women. <laughs> there it's been said. I think we're stupid and boneheaded. I've, I'm sick of women. I've had it with them. Ever, you know, in 1992, we get a couple of women into the Senate, and they're all yipping around at their acceptance speeches saying, the year of the woman, the year of the woman. What fat white guy came up with that phrase? <laughs> the year of the woman. You realize it's over with now. We gals had our year. We're so exhausted. We're giving it back to you fellas. It sure was a fun year, though, wasn't it? Okay. You guys, we got six women in the Senate. And that was considered the year of the woman. Six women in the Senate. We are 52% of the population. Apparently women do suck at math. My, my, one time my brother picked me up by my neck and I told my dad, you know, because it hurt, and so I complained. I said, you know, Jimmy picked me up by the neck and he said, well, did you do anything that would cause him to pick you up by the neck? Well, what behavior exactly would fall into that category? Yeah, I stood in a hole with just my head coming out. I... I see now. I had the opportunity, you know, the, uh, I, I believe that this issue is on its way to the Supreme Court, actually, that, that thing going on in Colorado with the um, Amendment 2, which was uh, to prevent cities from including in their charters protections of civil rights for people based on their sexual orientation. And there was a group called Colorado for Family Values who spearheaded that amendment, and now the argument about it's going to the Supreme Court. I had occasion to meet um, Will Perkins, who's the head of Colorado for Family Values. He owns Perkins Chevrolet in Colorado Springs. And um, I went and I interviewed him uh, for Mother Jones Magazine, and he said to me that uh, he, he doesn't like to be called a homophobe, by the way, uh, that he does not discriminate, he said. In fact, he felt that he could relate to homosexuals, he said, because he's a car salesman. And he said, people make fun of our pants and our white shoes. <laughs> and I thought, yes, that is so similar, really. That must be hell for you. He went on to tell me that he th until the 10th grade, he didn't like girls, he said. He, he found that often they were smarter than him in school and he was intimidated by them. He didn't think that they were interested in sports and so he didn't know what to say to them. He just didn't like girls until about the 10th grade, he thought. And that if prior to that, um, a, a homosexual teacher or counselor had talked to him, they could have talked him in to coming over <laughs> to their side. No, I don't pretend to know the psychological or physiological reasons for anybody's sexuality one way or the other, but I had no idea that it might even possibly be based on a giant game of Red Rover, Red Rover. Paula Poundstone. Her new album is called Paula Poundstone Goes to College, One Night Only.
It's available wherever you get comedy or music. This is Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Ed Hill is a stand-up from Vancouver, British Columbia. He was born in Taiwan, and he moved to Canada with his parents when he was 10. As you'll hear in a little bit, his childhood features pretty heavily into his act. Ed put out an album this year called Candy and Smiley, named after his parents. He recorded it during the height of the pandemic, so he decided to keep his audience small. Very, very small. Specifically six people. Six people in a room with Ed. Anyway, here's Ed Hill. I don't watch TV. This is my thing. I'll tell you what I love. I love live entertainment. Yeah, live entertainment. Like watching my parents fight. Yeah, oh my God, as a kid, devastating. As an adult, incredible. Yeah. My parents are going the other day. My mom is screaming at my dad because apparently he's been throwing her shoes in the garbage. Yeah. So my brother got all scared. Right, he ran, he was like, eh, eh, eh. like, they're going at it. Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and laugh. He's like, why? I'm like, because I've been throwing her shoes in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a show. I think I'm the way I am because I, I had a different childhood. That's the way I was brought up, you know? I didn't get a chance to play video games every day. I play the piano every single day. An hour a day starting when I was six. Yeah, I even asked my dad, why? why? Why are we doing this? He told me apparently it's because if you play a musical instrument, people will like you more. Which is total Because <laughs> my neighbor just started playing the trumpet. And I hate him. <laughs> yeah, every night at 10 o'clock, I want to stab him in the face. <laughs> it was piano, then kumon. Every single day. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys know what Kumon is. Um, it's a mass center. You go every day. You get a worksheet. If you get it wrong, you have to do it over and over and over again until nobody wants to have sex with you. <laughs> That's Kumon. I had somebody come up to me a show one time. Like, he's like, okay, Ed, I get it. I know you're making fun of it. You don't like it. What does Kumon actually mean? I was like, oh, it's easy. It's a Japanese word that means you're going to go to prom alone. <laughs> Ed Hill from his album Candy and Smiley. You can stream or download Candy and Smiley on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Pandora. You can also watch the video of him performing it on Amazon Prime. Next up, veteran comic Jackie Cation. She's the host of two great podcasts. She's put out more than 650 episodes of The Dork Forest. 650! On the Dork Forest, she interviews people about the things they like to geek out about. I went on there one time. I think I talked about men's clothes. Her other podcast is The Jackie and Lori Show from Maximum Fun, the company that I founded. She co-hosts that podcast with Lori Kilmartin, who you heard earlier on the show. They are friends of very long standing, and they love to talk about the nuts and bolts of doing comedy and their experiences on the road. It is like listening into a, a secret conversation, uh, but it is also super funny. This year, Jackie Cation put out her album, Staycation. It's really great. She talks a lot about the experiences we all had together last year during the lockdown. It's weird. We're in the weirdest, you know, the laziest civil war I've ever seen in my life, you guys. It's a weird time. It's a weird, weird time. 
and all day long playing whack-a-mole. Uh, but I will say that uh, some people, a lot of people have kids. I don't have kids, on purpose. Uh, some of my friends who have kids were beating themselves up about their kids, and they're like, I spent four years, no screen time, and now it's 12 hours a day screen time, and I feel like the worst parent ever. And I was like, oh my God, cut yourself some slack. This isn't the year to have that fight. And is that kid still alive? You win. And... Uh, <laughs> And my friend has three kids, and she was like, every day was the same with these kids. Every day. And I was like, it's been a year. They've got to be taller. <laughs> like, they got to be able to reach the cereal or something, right? She told me one of her kids can read now. That Her life has changed fundamentally. She can't lie to that kid anymore. Uh, that kid can check her sources. <laughs> And nobody knows how it's going to affect the kids. Like, I, I, don't, I do actually know what everyone's childhood was like because it wasn't this. You did not have your parents next to you for 12 months. It was, it was get out, uh, go run around. There was none of that for 12 months right here, right here with the kids. So we don't know. It's, I think it's going to be very beautiful. There's going to be... Uh, when I was a kid, they had, had just invented the term quality time. It was the 70s. And uh, they had just invented the term quality time. And I'm the youngest of six, and I distinctly remember my stepmother telling us she was like quality time I think that that's childcare. I don't think we can afford that um, what you're getting here is quantity quantity time. gonna be some good nuggets it's gonna be fun so all we know so far is that uh, none of the children in our lives uh, want to hear our 9-11 stories <laughs> don't you have a bad day yeah Okay. All right. <laughs> My least favorite of, of most of the people on the planet right now are the, uh, the, the end times people. They, they think it's the end times. It's not, by the way. It's not the end times. Just crummy times. <laughs> Try to help someone in front of you. You're doing great. You're doing great. But here's the thing. They want it to be the end times. There are people who wish it to be the end times right now because they want to get to the rapture. Here's the twist. They've decided that they're going to be horrible people to speed up the end times to get to the rapture. Let's unpack it. First of all, not the end times. Just terrible times. Try to help somebody. Second thing, the rapture. I don't know if you know anything about the rapture. Uh, they're not taking horrible people. <laughs> Third thing you may not know about the rapture, not real. Not real. Literally a parable to get you to not be a horrible person. <laughs> But there's always a silver lining, always a silver lining in every uh, existence, in every moment in time. And the silver lining now is that the Germans are going to get to be the good guys in World War III. <laughs> I used to get a really big laugh. I did that joke in Reykjavik, Iceland. Four Germans in the front row were like, finally vindicated! <laughs> And it makes sense. If you admit the worst thing you ever did, you get to be the hero in the sequel. So, good for the Germans. Jackie Cation from her album Staycation. That's stay and Cation, like her last name, K-A-S-H-I-A-N.
We've got even more of the Bullseye end-of-year stand-up comedy special coming up after a quick break. When we return, Chris Gethard, Josh Johnson, and more. Stick around. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Airbnb. If you've ever thought about hosting, you might have a few questions. What's it like? Where do I store my stuff? Is hosting worth it? Now, with Ask a Superhost, you can get free one-on-one help from Airbnb's most experienced hosts. Whether you're curious how to get started or just wondering if it's right for you, you can now ask someone who's already hosting. Learn more at airbnb.com slash askasuperhost. Tights and Fights is the perfect wrestling podcast from Maximum Fun. And this week, we're speaking to Austin Creed, better known as WWE's Xavier Woods, to find out more about his favorite TV show growing up. And I would watch Golden Girls, all of the things that I am obsessed with in my life, all of them have that aspect of teamwork. So Golden Girls is four women right in the house. No, no, their fifth person is their chemistry. That to me is the most important thing because that's what we're all trying to find. WWE and G4's Austin Creed on Tights and Fights. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, we're playing for you a bit of some of 2021's best stand-up records. Next up, Josh Johnson. He's appeared on The Tonight Show and Conan. He writes for The Daily Show, and he's toured with Trevor Noah, that show's host. He's had a pretty busy 2021. Earlier this year, he released his first-ever stand-up special, Hashtag, which debuted on Comedy Central, and he released his debut album, Elusive. It's a combination of comedy and music. Here's a little bit of the stand-up. Do you think... (laughs) Do you think that some of the inventors, if they were alive today, people who invented things way in the past, do you think that they would be mad that so many black people are using their invention? Yeah, me. I'm just saying, just think of an invention. Think of when it was made. Think of how the general public felt about black people at that time. And then think about bringing them back today and then they see it, you know? Like, imagine, I'm just saying. Imagine the guy, what, what if the guy that made the microwave is like, hey, 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 hey! I invented this microwave for white dinner. All right? I made it to reheat dry white burgers. Okay? I didn't make it for some curry. Okay? I made... I made the microwave so you could reheat asparagus. I didn't make it for this hip-hop BBQ you're putting in there. in the stove. Oh, man. I'm just saying. I'm not saying everyone from back then was racist. I'm just saying, imagine. I did did get to thinking about this for, like, a long time, because you can only watch so much TV. So I'm just sitting there, just thinking. I was like, "What what if we did this, like, take, like, the Wright brothers or something, right? Bring the Wright brothers back to life and show them what planes are like now. You know what I mean? 
like like they show up and they have a guide from the present day and they they take them to an airport and they're like what is this and it's like oh it's it's an airport your your invention actually took off so well that now they're all over the world and so we create these hubs for them to park at and transport people and so now people get on your plane and they go to other places and that they can go around the world if they want to and and the right brothers are like that's amazing that's wow we had no idea that could possibly happen. So then they take them inside. And as they take them inside, they're looking around. They're like, is this all part of how flying is? Like, and it's like, no, actually, this is a bunch of shops in the food court. Um, that, that's actually a Cinnabon. You want to stay away from that. that. That will shorten the hell out of your life. if you. We're actually trying to get rid of those in these because this is just killing people. All right, wow, that's okay. That's good to know. And so then they take the Wright brothers to TSA. <laughs> so then they get, they get up there, and the TSA lady is like, can you please take your shoes off, right? And then they're like, oh, okay, why do I need to take my shoes? Just take your shoes off, sir. Okay, I'm taking them off, but why do I need to take them off? It's like, sir, look, um, I'm about to go on my break. If you need me to call security, I can, because you will not step on my break, okay? And the right person's like, okay, fine, fine. So they take the shoes off, they put them in the tray, they go through the thing, and as they go through the thing, and whoosh, just past them, and they're like, what was that? And they're like, actually, that was to make sure that there was like nothing dangerous on you, or like a bomb or something. And the right person's like, why would there be a bomb on me? That's, that's crazy. It's like, well, actually, there's a whole geopolitical thing that we can't get into right now. Just like, get your shoes back on, and we're gonna go to your gate. So then they go to the gate, and at the gate, the right person's like, like, this is amazing. You've organized this so perfectly. Like, now people are going to use this door to go to that plane and then leave, and then people come behind them and do the same thing. That's crazy, right? So then it's time for them to board, and the Wright brothers get up, walk to the door to their gate, and immediately catch a hand in the chest. <laughs> and they're like, what's wrong? I got my ticket. This is my flight. What's wrong? And the lady at the desk is like, I call for diamond. You are not diamond, all right? <laughs> You are group four, okay? I don't even know why you standing up right now, all right? You really don't need to be up here like that, all right? Crowding me, crowding my space. Get your broke ass back down, group four, okay? I don't even know why you're up here. Why are your knees not bent right now? You standing up in front of me. So then the right was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll sit down. They're like, what was that? And their guide is like, actually, we came up with all of these classification systems when you board a plane, like Diamond and all that other stuff, so that we could prioritize who gets on the plane first, which there's really no point to, because we're all going to the same place. But, you know, <laughs> it's a thing that we do with what you did. And it's like, okay, wow, that's interesting. And so then they finally call Diamond, Emerald, Ruby, Gold, Silver, Bronze, one, two, three, four, and then the Wright brothers get onto the plane. And then they're looking around, they're like, this is amazing. Like, look at all the seats. That means so many people are going to be using our invention. And there's even an overhead compartment for, for your luggage. We didn't even think of that. That's crazy. Just one quick question. Just one thing. Why is there a black guy in the front? Because <laughs> when we got on, I saw that we passed him. And I just assumed that was the back. Because that's how we did it back in our day. And now that we're turned around and we're facing this way, I'm realizing he's in the front. How did that happen? Should we alert somebody? And then their guide is like, no, no, actually, he's in first class because he paid extra to be there because it has more leg room and more amenities. And the Wright brothers are like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I understand. How did he have extra? 
that sounds a bit suspicious. That's a little weird, right? How did that happen? It's like, well, sir, he actually has like a marketing job and everything, and they pay him six figures, so he has the money to fly first class if he wants to. Oh, okay, okay, that's interesting. How about this? Land this plane, all right? I would have never made this if I would have known you're going to put black guys in the front. Josh Johnson from his 2021 album Elusive, which is streaming now. Josh also has his own podcast, The Josh Johnson Show. You could find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Next up, Gina Brione and a bit from her record, Easily Offended. Along with doing stand-up, Gina is also a writer and actress. She's a native of the Bronx. She's been doing comedy since she was 17 years old. She's made appearances on Late Night with Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and she was a finalist on America's Got Talent. Gina released a new album earlier this year called Easily Offended. Here's a bit from the record about her relationship with her husband. He wants to learn Spanish so bad. My husband wants to learn Spanish so bad, and I keep stopping him. (laughs) Because then I won't be able to talk about him when my parents are in the room. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to talk behind your back in front of you if you are speaking Spanish? <laughs> if you've ever thought that people speaking, like, another language in front of you were, like, talking about you, of course, of course we are. Without a doubt, we would not be speaking another language. So just take that gem home with you. Next time you go anywhere and they're speaking Spanish, just know. Just know. He's a good guy. He's, the, he's definitely a sweetheart of a guy. I married, I married up. I did. I married up. I didn't date up. I married up. Like, I, I dated way below. Way below the bar. And I'm sure we've all been there, right? We all, <laughs> you get the doozies. You get like one or two or 12, depending on how good you are at making bad choices. I'm amazing at it. So good at that. But he is a good guy. He's sweet, you know? He's not perfect. Like, nobody's perfect. Everybody has their flaws. Like, his biggest flaw is that he talks too much. (laughs) That is laughter from people who have been with somebody who talks too much. Yeah. Because you know the pain. Because you can't teach somebody how to just be... Regular. You can't just be like, yo, just be regular. They don't know what you're talking about. Not even if you break it down, if you're like, look, all them times you want to talk, don't. Don't say nothing. Second of thought comes, they don't get it. And that is a struggle when you're with somebody that's like that. Like, you guys don't understand. It's a serious problem. We have a safe word for when he's talking too much. Like when he's talking too much, I say armadillo and he knows to stop. It's a weird word to bring up in conversation though. Like armadillo. Subtle ways. Do you guys like armadillos? Sometimes he'll just be talking, like he talks so much that I will forget he's not like an audiobook that I left on. I'm just be like, did I leave this on repeat? I don't understand. What chapter are we on? 
I can see it when he's talking to other people. That's the most nerve-wracking, when somebody gets, like, talking to him, and you see it in their face, they're like... Because <laughs> he doesn't read social cues either, so, like... He's not picking up on the fact that they're like... Right? They start looking for me to like SOS at me with their eyes. <laughs> I'm like, uh-uh, I'm with them all day. This is your shift. Bye, goodbye. Yeah. Enjoy your time. <laughs> I said good day. Gina Brione from her record, Easily Offended. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Next up, Erica Rhodes. She's both a stand-up and an actor. You might have seen her on Veep or Modern Family. Before that, she worked on A Prairie Home Companion. Erica Rhodes' newest stand-up album is called La Vie en Rhodes. Quite a title. She recorded it in Pasadena, California, not far from where I sit right now, and she recorded it outdoors. The audience enjoyed her performance from the comfort of their cars. So uh, just be forewarned, you're going to hear some honking. Here's Erica Rhodes. I hate if I'm going on a date or something and someone goes, Erica, just have fun and be yourself. Because for me, it's one or the other. Right? Like, I can't do both at the same time. Like, I'll never be this girl, you know, who posts a photo on Instagram and some fancy, you know, warrior 22 pose on top of a mountain. And there's like this beautiful sunset and the caption, living the dream. (laughs) I'm more the girl who posts a selfie from bed with the caption, can't get up. (laughs) I want to do non-motivational quotes on Instagram, right? Which would go something like, just don't. Or there doesn't have to be another day. (laughs) Or you can always live the life you imagined if you have a really imagination. (laughs) My friend wanted to get lunch the other day, but she's like, I'm vegan now. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go with that whole trend. I was like, do you want to go to Cafe Gratitude, you know, the vegan restaurant? And she was like, well, I'm also gluten-free, so can we go to the juice bar? And I was like, how about we just never speak again? Let's just move on with our lives. I don't need to waste any more time figuring out where I'm not going to eat tomorrow. I have enough not on my plate. And she's like, do you want to go out on a boat sometime? Like, she had a friend with a boat, and it was July 4th. And I was like, you've been on a boat before, right? Like, is that something we have to do twice (laughs) in this lifetime? Because I don't think about the boat anymore. I overthink everything. So I think about all the steps that lead up to the boat, right? I'm like, I have to put my bathing suit on. Then I have to figure out who else is gonna be on the boat and can I wear my bathing suit in front of the people on the boat. I have to do a whole research project on the people who are gonna be on the boat to determine if I can wear my bathing suit in front of them. And then I have to get to the boat 
I'll probably get lost getting there because I'll take Waze and Waze is going to be like, try making this left turn, sucker. (laughs) Then I'll get on the boat, not really want to be on the boat. Everyone else will probably not really want to be on the boat either, but they'll all be Instagram, Snapchat, storying that they're on the boat because I want other people who aren't on the boat to wish that they were on the boat. So what I'd rather do, honestly, is just stay home, put my bathing suit on, get in the bathtub, put on My Heart Will Go On from Titanic, take a selfie, post it on Instagram, and label it Living the Real Dream. Erica Rhodes from her album, La Vie on Rhodes. You can stream it right now. It's the Bullseye End of Year Stand-Up Comedy Spectacular. I'm Jesse Thorne. One more comic before we go, and it's an old fave, Chris Gethard. He was, of course, the host of The Chris Gethard Show, the Utterly Bananas live public access TV show turned Utterly Bananas live basic cable TV show. He has appeared in a bunch of movies and TV shows, including Broad City, Don't Think Twice, and Inside Amy Schumer. He's also the host of the podcast Beautiful Anonymous, where he interviews strangers who call in. The stand-up special he put out this past year is called Half My Life, and he closes it with an absolute stunner of a story. Here's Chris. There have been two times in my life where I've heard someone say an absolutely perfect thing. Two times that I can think of where someone has said something, I have been present, and I'm like, that was perfect. Now, I grew up in northern New Jersey. More specifically, I grew up in a town called West Orange. More specifically than that, I grew up in a neighborhood called Down the Hill. It was the tough part of town. I want to be clear, I am not claiming that I am tough. I know that I look like a grown-up version of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. But I did take the the down-the-hill boys bus to get home. This was the bus with all the guys from the wrong side of the tracks in my hometown. Now, as you can imagine, crazy things happened on this bus every day. One day, I get on the bus, and I'm immediately hit with a whole bunch of ice cubes. I dive into a seat, I turn around, I realize a few guys have gone to a supermarket and they went in that cooler where you get the uh, big five pound bags of ice, that freezer, you know, if you gotta fill a cooler at a cookout and every time someone new gets on the bus, they're just whipping ice out. (laughs) So I'm mad I've been hit, but very quickly I'm like, all right, who's the next son of a You know, like it was really fun. We're picking up ice, we're throwing at each other, we're screaming, we're yelling. The driver is on the bus the entire time. He does not do a thing about this. He eventually just starts driving like none of this chaos is unfolding directly behind him. And when we get off school grounds, a very interesting thing happens. It goes from all of us on the bus being in an ice fight against one another to everybody on that bus teaming up in an ice fight against the entire town of West Orange, New Jersey. Every window on that bus comes down. Every car that comes by, ice. Every storefront window, ice. It's like, oh, you think you're jogging. Today, miss, you're fleeing ice. That's what you're actually doing. 
And eventually we had a red light next to a bus stop. Bus stop has one of those glass shelter things with a bench inside, bunch of people sitting there. And as you can imagine, it's just a tidal wave of ice goes at this thing. And everybody on the bench, they did what we would all do. They stand up, they go on the other side of the glass thing, so the ice hits that. They wait for the light to change, so we go away. They all do that except for one guy. He was a little bit older, probably early 60s. He's wearing a very nice suit, and he just stood up and stared us down. <laughs> ice hit him in the legs. He didn't care. Chest, he didn't blink. And then one piece flew through the sky and bounced off his head and he shook. And when he looked up, something was different. <laughs> I could feel it. Light turns green, we pull away. We go back to throwing ice at each other, at cars, business as usual, until I hear somebody in the back of the bus shout the words, that man, he's chasing us. <laughs> and we all turn around to see that not even on the sidewalks, on the yellow line, so man, is running after our bus. Now we erupted in cheers. We loved that we had caused this. We were 16 year old boys. One kid took a whole bag of ice and shook it out the window, hoping to create like a Home Alone style booby trap to get the guy. The guy dodged all of them and he had footwork. Now we were in a moving vehicle. He was an older man, so we could outpace him. So we'd go over a hill and be like, cool, we lost him. Then we'd hit a red light and over the horizon, here he comes. The guy would not quit. He catches up to the bus at a light. He's going, open it. You open it right now. Driver ignores him. He wants no part of this. Old man doesn't miss a beat. He goes, ksh, ksh, and opens the bus door with his hands, which we did not know was possible. So he's breathing heavy. He's been running for a while, but it's clear that he is about to speak. And he proceeds to say, one of the two perfect things I have ever heard. What he said was, <sighs> which one of you wants to get off this bus and fight me like a man? <laughs> and we were all like, did not see that coming. We started laughing and cheering. We loved it. He didn't care. Louder, he goes, which one of you wants to get off this bus and fight me like a man? And then we went silent because we're like, uh, this question is not hypothetical. So now we're looking around like, well, is somebody going to? Like, does somebody want to? And right then this kid, Dave, stands up. And he says, the second perfect thing I have ever heard, which was, Dad, please get off the bus. Chris Gethard from his album, Half My Life. You can listen to his podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, on pretty much any podcast platform. It's great. Also, if you haven't heard our interview with Chris from earlier this year, he told an absolutely bonkers story, another absolutely bonkers story about the time he got Diddy to come do his show at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. We'll have a link to that episode on the Bullseye page at MaximumFun.org. And hey, that's about it. But one quick thing before we go, 
all of these comics that you heard on this special do stand-up comedy for a living. And um, there has not been a lot of live stand-up comedy the last couple of years. So the money that they rely on from stand-up dates has been spotty, and they are relying extra hard on the sales of those records. So if you liked any of these comics you heard, go buy something from it, whether it's tickets or, or an actual copy of the record on you know Bandcamp or whatever. Buy some of their merch, support them in some way. Everybody who's a live performer right now is really hurting, so uh, they could use your support. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where, as we speak right now, the finishing touches are being put on my range hood. Yes, that's right. I'll be able to brown and sear without filling both the first and second floor of my home with smoke. Now, the second floor was a real surprise, but it really does happen. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producer, Jesus Ambrosio. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our thanks to all of them and to everybody else at Maximum Fun who listened to all these stand-up albums. It was a group effort. Thanks to Daniel Baruella, Julian Burrell, Bipram Chatterjee, Kira Gowan, Jennifer Marmer, Stacey Molsky, April Pendergraft, Steph Prater, Laura Swisher, and KT Wigman. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is called Huddle Formation, recorded by the group The Go Team. Thanks very much to The Go Team and to their label, Memphis Industries. You can keep up with our show on Twitter at Bullseye, as well as on Facebook and YouTube. We post all our interviews there on YouTube if you'd like to share them. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.